you please join me in prayer? Lord, lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Amen. We live in interesting times. Statistically speaking, the majority of people in this room would have been exposed to some sort of hardcore pornographic scene somewhere on their childhood growing up before they would have ever felt the butterflies in their hand of holding somebody, in their stomach, of holding somebody's hand on a first date. There is a higher likelihood that you have seen a scene on your computer of either bestiality or group sex before your first kiss. That is a jarring reality that we have never experienced before in human history. As we walk through this series and wrap it up today on grace and truth, five conversations that every thoughtful Christian should be having about sexuality, we would be mistaken if we didn't pause and also talk about specifically pornography and the scourge that this is today and the way that it's threatening relationships, our understanding of our own sexuality, and the appreciation of the image-bearing of everybody else all around us. My heart breaks every time there's another appointment on my calendar with another student who's grown up in a generation where we as the church did not prepare you well enough, and you saw what you should have never seen, and you were exposed to more than you should have ever been exposed to, and your education happened in some sort of backward way, and now you're picking up the pieces, and we all are. I don't bring that up to point a finger at you or to blame you. In fact, I think that's more even on us than it is on you. And our generation is swept up in this problem as much as anybody else, so we're not immune. And as Christians, we're not either. I'll give you seven guesses as to the day of the week that has the highest porn consumption rate in America. Yeah, Sunday. We don't even know how to rest anymore. We choose the wrong things to fuel our appetites, and it's killing us. A little bit more on how we got here and what this looks like. doing the opposite of what it probably looks like I'm doing. Let me just read to you what's on the screen. I'm not even going to try to explain it. Did you know that at least 30% of all data transferred across the internet is porn related? It's so easily accessible that the average age of exposure is currently around 8 to 11 years old. 
And naturally, the younger the age when someone begins to regularly consume porn, the more attached to it they can become. In fact, it says here that although not all people who struggle with porn are addicted to it, studies have proven that pornography addiction can parallel drug addiction. Research also shows that it can really affect relationships. Listen to this. It can basically train your brain to become attracted to videos rather than people. Here are some people talking from their personal experience. Porn consumers report less love and trust in their relationships and are more prone to cheating, separation, and divorce. What's most shocking to me is the connection between the porn industry and sex trafficking. According to an anti-trafficking nonprofit, Rescue Freedom, in nine countries, 49% of women who were prostituted said that pornography was made of them while they were in prostitution. In one survey, 63% of underage sex trafficking victims said they had been advertised or sold online. Wow. Okay. Pornography manufactures lies and markets them as fantasy. Pornography takes somebody else that Christ died for, strips them of their humanity, turns them into an object, and then we consume that for our own pleasure. I think this is one of the most effective tactics of Satan in the modern world the way that this is destroying relationships, and we have inherited a very serious problem. And unfortunately, it's one that Christians in particular are having a very hard time talking about. One more quick intro to set this up, just a little bit historically of how we got to this moment in history. When we are born, we are given a world built on the decisions of previous generations. A world created by their choices, some good and some bad. Decisions are constantly made without the knowledge of how they will affect us, our society, and our world. But what if we did know the effects? What if we could make choices now that would someday lead to a better world? Every person has a choice. We choose what we buy, what we wear, what we say, and what we do. These choices contribute to an ever-growing swell that drives the course of society, eventually defining an entire generation. But it all starts with one choice from one person. Two generations ago, society began making choices that have shaped today's understanding of pornography. In 1948, Dr. Alfred Kinsey published a best-selling book that suggested that all forms of sexual behavior should be normalized and that people should pursue all sexual urges regardless of age. Businessmen capitalized on this new idea and porn magazines hit the newsstands. Many became convinced that it was cool, harmless, and a gentleman's pursuit. Then, in 1993, came the internet. And like a tidal wave, pornography flooded the World Wide Web as a generation became consumed. And now, for the first time in history, hardcore pornography can be accessed from anywhere and at any time. So what does this mean for our generation? 
Through new innovations in brain technology, psychology, and sociology, we now know the truth about pornography. Porn is like a drug. It can rewire the brain, form addictions, alter views about sex, objectify the human body, fuel the demand for sex slavery, and reshape society as a whole. Pornography is often violent and abusive, a degrading lie that distorts the very meaning of healthy relationships and love. We are the first generation in the history of the world to face the issue of pornography to this intensity and scale. We are also the first generation with a science-based understanding of the harm pornography can do. And with that knowledge, we feel the responsibility to share it with others. We are determined to be the generation who pursues real love and rejects its hollow counterfeit. We will fight this new drug, and we will not rest until the world knows that pornography is harmful. Whenever this topic comes up and I'm asked to teach at it, I lament again. I don't know if you noticed something missing in each of those first two videos. The name of Jesus. The most significant voices leading a rebellion against pornography um, within our culture is actually coming more quickly from secular science than it is from the church. A realization just that this is not what we were created for and that this is distorting so many things. We create technologies without knowing whether we should use them, implement them in any way, shape, or form, and we have not even lived one full generation yet with a television set, and now here we are consuming pornography at an alarming rate. We have no idea what this is doing to us yet. We're juggling hand grenades and hoping we don't slip. Whenever I sit down, too, with someone who's not yet convinced of the significance of this conversation or its bearing on us as individuals, the pushback is the same thing that Satan tells us every time when he wants to minimize the reality of sin in our moments of temptation. Well, it's not that big of a deal. Nobody else is looking. The anonymity, accessibility, and ubiquity of the smartphone, of internet access anywhere, creates these temptations for us 24-7. And in the hiding and in the quiet and in our loneliness and in our hurt, these temptations become so real and Satan preys on them. But we all want to minimize in our moment of temptation how significant it is. Most of us want to believe that we're not active participants in the industry of pornography because we don't subscribe typically to sites or download the material, we just visit periodically. And yet advertisers are pimping out your mouse every time you click, paying for each use. You are not a passive participant in this industry, you are an active participant of the enslavement of fellow human beings every time we engage in these behaviors. That is the reality of it. So what's the big deal? That's what science is telling us. 64% of young people aged 13 to 24 actively seek out pornography weekly or more often. More than half, at least once a week. Altogether added up, pornography is a $100 billion global industry. So put it into perspective, that is more money being made by our favorite form of entertainment than the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball put together. 
And where there is big money, there is big money to be made. The largest consumer demographic of pornography is 12 to 17-year-olds, and the industry knows it, and they target them. They study curriculum in our schools, and they buy up domain names and manipulate search engines and algorithms in order to redirect kids at young ages towards pornography so that we will become hooked before we are even have the ability to enter into contract or consent. You might say that that's really, really dirty, but I guess if you've decided to make porn for a living, you probably checked your moral compass sometime back behind us already. That is the reality. 68 million daily pornographic search engine requests. That's one out of every four times someone opens up a web browser, they are looking for pornography, intentionally. And yet, half of young adults and one-third of teens say that all or most of their friends regularly view porn. One out of five times every somebody pulls a cell phone out of their pocket, they are searching for pornography. The average age of first exposure to hardcore online pornography is 11. You heard Chaz Smith say that the first exposure is often between 8 and 11 to pornography. But by 11, most Americans have seen hardcore online pornography. Hardcore includes group sex, bestiality, incest, and BDSM activities. A child who does not even have the vocabulary yet to explain what their brain is processing can become addicted. I've seen and talked to families and children who are, have full-blown pornographic addictions before they've even hit puberty or understand sexuality in any shape or form. Their brain is addicted to what they are experiencing, and they're not even essentially a sexual being yet. And all the while, only one in ten American teenagers think that viewing pornography is a bad thing. By the time teenagers graduate from high school in America, they are more offended, statistically speaking, by a friend who does not recycle than by a friend who regularly consumes pornography. And the desensitization continues because by the time we enter young adulthood, our college years, only 5% of young adults now think that viewing pornography would be a bad thing. We are suffering from a significant miseducation. And it gets worse, though, because this isn't just a guy thing, as we typically and historically would want to designate it. 28% of those admitting to porn addictions are women. One out of every four, some studies suggest one out of every three visits to an adult website is by a woman. Young men are preying upon this and introducing pornography into their dating relationships, and I've seen it even amongst students here. All the while, 60% of these women claim that they're using porn for educational purposes. In other words, you have great questions. Questions that are deserving of answers about how does this work and, and how am I supposed to be like this in a relationship and inside of a marital bed, what, how does this actually happen? But because we're not providing healthy, practical, biblical, Christian answers to people's real questions... Our silence leads people in the wrong direction. And a resource-based generation that has experienced education that way goes to the only places of authority that they've known, to Siri and Google and beyond. And yet we still refuse to help educate people and provide the knowledge and power that is required. Only 23% of all the states in the U.S. mandate sex education curriculum. The majority of us learn our sex education not at home and not at school 
and not at church, but right here. And it's hurting us. So let's talk about the effects of this and why this matters so much. Pornography actually rewires our brains. It changes the way that we think. Um, Dr. William Struthers, who teaches at Wheaton in his book, Wired for Intimacy, describes it like if I hit adolescence and I start having um, some sort of sexual thought and I pull out a phone or computer and I reach for pornography, then that initial stimulus creates a certain response and my brain, every time if I'm thinking about sex, reaches for porn, I'm developing what he calls like a, a neurological rut or superhighway in our brain, like a well-worn path in a forest. We have a hard time not thinking about sexuality eventually without reaching for and associating it with pornography, and hence addictive behaviors um, become more and more entrenched as neurological superhighways of stimulus and response connect in our brain and the release that we are so used to of serotonin and dopamine and the feel-good chemicals related to what we're exposed to experience in sex becomes instead connected not to a living, breathing image bearer of God in the confines of which God intended it, but rather to a screen in a disembodied experience where our avatar is making love. We have no idea how much this is impacting us. Think of the way that science works. We learn stuff and then it takes us like so long to actually let the reality of it settle in. This is an actual advertisement from within the past century. Once upon a time, we would have given people cigarettes to help them with a cough. We would have believed that was right. Well, science, right, catches up, teaches us what we're supposed to know and now we realize that that is absolutely insane. We are on the cusp of being able to figure out the reality that pornography is your generation's version of smoking. Mark my words. It's a little harder to pick up on this image. Maybe you can dim the lights for me here a little bit. This is from a video um, in the Conquer series, a fantastic online resource for combating porn and porn addiction. And what it is is nuclear imaging of the human brain from the top down, and you can see all the healthy levels of blood flow and the one on the left and an addicted brain to heroin in the middle. So you can see they're actually like, it looks like Swiss cheese. There's pockets in it that aren't functioning properly. And the reality is, is what every single one of you know, because you were brought up to be empowered with this knowledge, that drugs make you dumber. And we know this to be true. However... What we've also learned now is things like pornography and gambling and addictive behaviors and not just chemicals can create the same activity within our brain. You guys, porn doesn't just make a bad moral decision. It's actually making us stupider. You actually become dumber watching porn. Ironic because most people claim they first go there for the purpose of education. There's a bald-faced lie. Pornography doesn't just wreck our brain, it wrecks real relationships. It changes the way that we process and understand the humanity of the other people around us. It distorts our view of men and women. Or Naomi Wolf put it like this, today real women are just bad porn. If your norm is the neurological superhighway of seeing paid actors, photoshopped pictures, enhanced, faked, online experiences, disembodied, well, then reality is going to pale in comparison to something that's been so synthesized and faked. Listen to Dr. Fobert talk about in this video the effects this has on the human brain. 
My name is John Fobert. I'm a professor of higher education and student affairs at Oklahoma State University. And I also lead a national nonprofit organization called One in Four, which has worked since 1998 to end sexual violence on college campuses and in the military. How is pornography harming our society at large? From 2008 to 2011, exposure among kids under 13 uh, for, to pornography went from 14% to 49%. Okay, just in those three years. Well, what's a big thing that happened? The ubiquity of the smartphone. There, there's no question that this generation has more access to pornography than anyone in human history ever. How do we describe to people why pornography and violence go together? Pornography is a recipe for rape. And I'm not saying that anytime someone uses pornography, they're gonna commit rape. Um, but what it essentially teaches people is that you're supposed to be violent when you're intimate with somebody. There was a study that came out of the University of Arkansas and NYU showing that 88% of scenes in porn movies include violence by one person towards another, usually a man towards a woman. But what I found most interesting about that research is that when someone hits another person in porn, 95% of the time they respond with either pleasure or they have no response at all. So it's teaching this generation that sex and violence are intertwined. The most interesting study I read most recently is one that did brain scans of men while they were watching pornography. They scanned their brains and they wanted to see what areas of the brain light up when men look at porn. It's the part of the brain that deals with objects, not people. The more we dehumanize someone, the more possible it is to commit violence against them. Do you hear that statistic embedded in there? 88% of all porn films created have at least one scene of violence, one person to another, usually a man to a woman, and that 95% of the time, the woman is either smiling or at the very least indifferent. Imagine a 12-year-old boy growing up, given a cell phone with no instructions and guidance and love and direction, and every time he pulls it out, 88% of the time when he's looking at porn, he sees someone being abused, and 95% of the time, she seems like she's enjoying it. That poor little boy is going to grow up thinking that women like to be abused. And then he's going to take the one activity in life where we are the most vulnerable, that God created to create the deepest sense of intimacy and connectivity, and use it for the exact opposite purpose. The activity that God gave us that holds within it the potential for creating life in our own image, the moment in life where we are actually the most capable of being like God to create something out of nothing in his image and take that act, that gift, and then use it for the exact opposite of stripping the humanity off of somebody. We were made for so much more than this. Can you see how damaging the lie is? how destructive that can be to our relationships. This is supposed to be the most tender, most intimate, most vulnerable thing that we were created to experience that would bond people in such unique ways like nothing else on earth. And then we lose the significance of it, the beauty of it. And so you can only imagine that it doesn't just wreck our minds and our relationships and the way we see people, it's actually making us worse lovers. So if you, seeking out pornography on a regular basis makes us dumber, makes us crappier lovers, and makes us poorer in relationships. This is really what we're learning. Luke Gilkerson says, there might, we might say the real problem with porn isn't that it shows us too much sex, but it doesn't show us enough. 
You see what he's saying? Because it cannot give us the experience of real intimacy because porn is the junk food version of sex. It's not the real deal. Instead of receiving God's goodness and his best for us, we settle for something so cheap and an imitation. And every sin is always its own worst punishment, isn't it? What we think we're getting away with only comes back to bite us. I've had so many conversations now and been able to figure out this is actually a medical condition. Porn is fueling what is being referred to by doctors as a Viagra generation. Men who are unable to become sexually aroused or satisfied by real women, also called porn-induced erectile dysfunction. Now this happens when the human brain begins to associate its sexuality with a disembodied online experience so often that it can't return back to reality, so you have Christian men growing up with that as their understanding and now entering into a marital relationship and literally cannot become sexually aroused by their God-given bride because their brain is so distorted. This is so sad, my friends. God wants more than this for us. And porn's affecting the world. You heard it at the beginning in the first video by Chaz that this is driving human trafficking, sex slavery. Changing the way that we view and understand sex and the way we understand ourselves is taking our relationships and it's digitizing them. We are experiencing the world through our avatar rather through, than through our embodied self. And she, it should come as no surprise then that we ended up in a world where now we're actually doing this in our relationship. We're not just asking people out or ending relationships on digital platforms. Um, pornography has become so pervasive we actually make it ourselves now. We call this sexting in today's world. And most teens statistically are already beginning this activity early on in their online use and cell phone usage. 66% of teenagers have received a sexually explicit message and 41% already have sent one, according to the Barna Group. That's sexualized language, so we're already taking our relationships and sexualizing them on a digital platform. But now, 22% of teen girls and 18% of teen guys have actually sent nude or partially nude pictures of themselves. And if you are under the age of 18, that's actually the solicitation of and dissemination of child pornography, an illegal activity. 10% of all porn available online is child porn. Sometimes it's hacked off of people who've created their own. By the time people hit adulthood, it's that these numbers actually increase and only go up. What a disrespect for the human body and the way that God created us to live when we're willing to do this. Well, I'm hoping I have your attention now. So what are the next steps and what do we do? Aaron, tell me something redemptive in all of this. Well, here we go. You've heard me say this throughout this series. I want to reiterate it again as step number one. We need to reconnect our sexuality and our Christianity. I'm not sure a lot of us have ever actually realized and woken up to the fact that in our moments of online porno pornography and masturbation and all of our sexual dysfunction, that Jesus is present in those moments. He's already been there, and he already knows everything you did, so why not have a conversation with him about it? And let him in. Ask him what he really wants for you. Because I guarantee you it's better than the alternative. Because you're not going to win if you just want to shut it off. Sexual health doesn't mean running away from just negative behavior. It means running towards something good. Dr. Fobert, you saw in that video, 
I listened to a presentation of his one time. He runs a major center at a secular university, and this is what he said in his presentation. I have never in all my years of work seen someone experience genuine healing and transformation with all the restorative healing power of Jesus Christ. If you want to get closer to transformation and get closer to Jesus, someone comes into my office and says we need to talk about pornography, and I'm like, all right, now we're in the light. We are closer to healing than we were five minutes ago. Congratulations, blessed child of God. You're about to experience the healing power of Jesus. Here we go. Because that's what you do. You want to experience change and transformation? You get in closer proximity to Jesus. You come into the light. You move into those spaces. And then we cultivate a culture and a community where we celebrate repentance rather than shaming people when they want to come forward in the church. And this is where the church has gotten it so wrong. We keep telling people that your secrets belong in the shadows and in the darkness where shame has power over them and it only precipitates the problem more and more and more and makes it go instead of coming into the light and joining in heaven where there is great rejoicing when one sinner comes forward and repents and we need to make earth look a little more like heaven when someone wants to come forward and experience healing. And so if you have a friend come and tell you about something they're struggling with sexually in their life, you need to join the applause of heaven in that moment and not the circles of gossip to talk about that person. You need to restore their humanity and not strip it away. We need to look a little more like heaven on earth in those moments. You need to de-digitize your relationships. At least the ones of intimacy. This is great for information. See what I'm doing here today? This is what technological platforms are for. Information. Transformation and genuine human interaction happens when you can see the whites of somebody's eyes. You know what makes porn possible for someone? Is you separate them in that moment and turn them into an object. That's what Dr. Fulbert said, right? It's because this happens when we're engaged in things like pornography or sexting. Your brain is moving that person into the category of an object rather than an image bearer, and it lets you do horrific things. I have never experienced anybody who recounts an ex a moment when they were looking at pornography and thought to themselves, I wonder how her day is. I wonder what his favorite color is. I bet they have a dog at home, like I do. You see, we have to strip them of their humanity to let our brains do what we want to do, which is absolutely horrific. And it doesn't just hurt them, it hurts us. So take your most intimate conversations and stop having them on digital platforms. Have them in person with people. You want to know one of the most significant things that will protect someone from the temptation of reaching out for things like online pornography and sex chat rooms and these kinds of behaviors? Having healthy relationships around you so you're not trying to satisfy those longings in misdirected ways. People who get hugged more want porn less. See, the antidote to this isn't actually some giant super clinical treatment session, first and foremost, not at least in the preventative way. It certainly can be in a clinical final diagnosis way of a deep addiction. But if we love each other better, we're actually insulating and inoculating one another from the temptations of dysfunctional sexual behavior. So have good friends. Hug-proof your marriage your relationships, and learn how to rest. In each and every situation where I talk to somebody and they're deeply entrenched in addictive behavior, and I have them start journaling when these moments happen, when they feel the most tempted, it's when they feel bored, 
and they don't know how to rest. We don't know how to be still anymore. You guys, your generation touches your cell phones more than 5,000 times a day. Do you know how to be still and just rest? Do you know how to be still inside your mind? I don't think we know how to do that anymore. But we were made for rest and to be renewed in these moments so that brain that goes like that can go back the other direction too because God does that for us. God restores and he heals and he redeems and he makes new. That human brain has 200 million new brain cells every single night while you sleep. You are being recreated, resurrected in your sleep. If that isn't grace, I don't even know what is. God's working when you're sleeping to make you new. That is how cool our God is. And he wants this for you in every part of your life and your sexuality included. And if you have been wronged or wronged anybody else in this regard ever, I want you to know that you are not supposed to be experiencing shame in this moment. That is a tool and a tactic of the devil. You need to hear the invitation of Jesus that's saying, come to me. I want to make you whole. I want to give you what I always wanted to give you. You are mine. So don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for the junk food of porn or of garbage sexuality when God has something so much more for you. Sex outside of God's design is so bad because sex inside of God's design is so good. And you need to know that and you need to hear that. And the bonding and the healing power that it can bring. I'm going to leave this screen up and ask the band to come on up and lead us in a, a closing song. Actually, we'll, they'll do too if you need to leave if, um, during that time period. Uh, we're at 1141, so I think most of you still have time. But if you have to go, um, show up at a work study appointment, you may, but we're going to sing two more short songs. And as they come up, let me lead you in prayer. You pray with me. Father God, we long to be in your presence, and it feels good to be here with your people. And we acknowledge and we repent that it's in our moments of quiet, and often when we're alone in our loneliness, and wrestling through our thoughts where we fall prey to the devil's temptations. And Father, we repent. We want to be right with you. Lord, I want to pray specifically this morning for anybody struggling here with temptations of or addictions to pornography. Pray that you would allow them to feel the invitation to come into the light and to receive what you really want for them and not the devil's tricks. Father, you love your kids, and your arms are wide open, and you love us so much. We thank you for our sexuality, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are brilliant in the way that you design us, and we stand in awe of the way that you allow us to experience even our sexuality as part of reflecting your image. Help us to steward it well, to be beautiful to others, and before you, and allow us to feel what it means to stand in your presence righteous as a sexual being created in your image, redeemed by your Son, and loving the world well. In Jesus' name, amen.